everyone. Oh, okay. One person. Hi, everyone. Okay, that's fair. Thank you. Now I know that you're all awake still. Um, I'm so excited to be speaking to you this morning about something that God's teaching me um, and just how I've been discovering new things on my journey with God recently. And I love that, first of all, that a relationship with God is a journey. And when I say a journey, I don't mean one of those boring eight-hour-long car journeys where, like, you're all crammed up. You've got your brother's feet in, in your back of the seat and you're just like, when can I get out of this car? But an exciting adventure, um, almost like, sounds a bit cheesy, but almost like travelling the world. Like, if you could imagine the most amazing place that you'd ever want to travel to and look at, um, an, an adventure of going and doing that and just travelling around and how at times it'd be a bit crazy and at times it'd be a bit difficult, um, but how you'd see things in a whole new way that you've never seen before. And that's what I think a relationship with God is like. Not a boring car journey, but an exciting adventure where you can see things like you've never seen them before. So I want to start by asking you to all look at the screen. The slide. Who remembers this dress that like sent everyone crazy? <laughs> okay, let's have a vote. Let's have a vote. Who here thinks that it's blue and black? Quite a lot of you. I really can't see the blue and black. Okay, hands down. Who here sees it as white and gold? Yeah, definitely. It's really confusing, isn't it? <laughs> okay, okay, let's not have a debate about what it is. We all see differently. Okay, can we have the next slide, please, Ryan? Okay. When you look at this, what do you see? A few of you put your hands up. A tree that's fallen over. Oh, Ben. Ben. Okay, so when I first saw this, I thought that that was a guy stood like leaning at a tree and then looking out at a lake. Does anyone else see that? Yes, thank you. But as Ben's just giving it away to everyone, if you tilt your head to the right, I think, it's actually a fallen over tree and they're the, like, the roots sticking up and like trees around. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, I didn't have a clue. Okay, we can, uh, we can turn the screen off now. Thank you. Everyone back to not arguing over what the tree is. Um, so as we've just seen then with those slides, we all see things differently. Like we'll look one minute and we'll see white and gold. And then maybe the next few of us see black and, um, what is it, black and blue. Um, couldn't remember then. And how we all see different things. And the further that we look at something, we see the difference. Like the tree at first, we've, well, I thought it was a lake. But then the further I looked, I saw that it was actually a fallen over tree. Um, and that's exactly what I want to talk to you about this morning, about seeing things differently, um, seeing the world around us differently, seeing people differently. And what I mean by that is seeing what's really going on in the world around us and seeing what's really going on in the hearts of those around us. Because I think that sometimes we can... Um, almost just glance over things maybe like those pictures and we could not see what's actually going on in someone's heart and what they actually need to know um, and how they need to know God's love for them and what God thinks about them and what if we could be those people if Zion youth could be those people that go out and um, make a difference in people's lives because we see what's actually going on in their life and we see um, what's actually going on in their heart 
So next slide, please, Ryan. This is William. Everyone say hi, William. Hi, William. It's such a sweet story. So this is a true story that I found um, on like BBC News, which I never read, but hey, oh, there we go. Um, and this is William, and he lives in Malawi in Africa. And at 14 years old, he had to leave school. His parents couldn't afford the fees anymore, so he had to stop going and had to work on the family's farm, um, just working there every single day. And for him and for his family, it probably seemed like his life was pretty limited. Like, he couldn't carry on with education. He couldn't really find a job because all he could do was work on on the farm for now. Um, so things seem pretty like that's just the way life is for William. Until one day when he found an old tattered book. And I mean, it was like dusty. It was just lying on the ground, like pages were ripped from it. But William saw it and he was like, oh, I'm going to have a look at what this is. And as he picked it up, he saw a picture of a windmill in it. Um, and straight away, William knew what he wanted to do. As soon as he saw the windmill, he was like, that's what I'm going to do to make a difference to my family and to my village. I'm going to build a windmill and I'm going to bring electricity to my village. Now, I think, firstly, that's amazing to even think that in the situation that it was in, how he saw it and he was like, that's what I'm going to do. So that's what he did. Day after day, he would spend hours and hours like rummaging through like rubbish tapes, finding old bicycle parts and like scraps of metal, seeing anything that he could find to build this windmill. And um, uh, in the interview, he says, many people, including my own mother, thought I was going crazy. Like everyone thought he'd lost the plot because he was spending his days looking through rubbish tips, looking for bits of scraps of metal. And um, and his neighbours were like, what the heck are you doing? Like, you're crazy, you've lost it. Um, but as after many weeks of like rummaging and spending hours and hours thinking how he could build this windmill, and after many bumps and bruises and even electric shocks, bless him, he managed to create this windmill. He was successful, he did it, and we've got a picture of it. And he created this for his village. And like, you can see like the bicycle parts and everything. And he brought electricity not only to his family, but to his whole village. And I think that's like incredible, like what he did. And nobody else could see the potential that William saw amongst the rubbish. And I think that's exactly what, what God's like that, and, and sometimes what we're like. We don't see the the potential that God sees in and amongst the rubbish of maybe our own lives or the messy situations of the lives around us. But God sees potential no matter what situation that we're in. Because we all know that we live in a broken world, a world where we're told to almost live behind a mask. Maybe that's a mask of changing the way that we look so that we feel accepted or a mask of collecting um, the latest things and phones and clothes so we can seem successful to those around us or even just a mask of pretending that we're okay and pretending that we've got everything together when really we're actually really broken inside and that's the world that we're living and the world that we live in needs people like us who see potential in those messy situations and who see um, what God sees. And that's a heart that just needs love and needs to know his love. But I think before we can, before we can start doing that, and as I was praying about preparing this, I just felt like God was saying, yeah, but you need to know that I love you first before you can go and, 
and I love the story of what Elliot said about going, um, giving a coffee to the guy who um, looked cold. Like in that situation, he saw differently. But I think the beginning of that is knowing that God, God loves us and Elliot knowing that God loved him. And from that, that can change the way that we see things. Um, and that's what I felt like God wanted us to focus on first this morning, that God, God loves you and God sees you. So I'm going to go to um, a story in the Bible that you might not have heard before, um, a woman called Hagar. Um, but you might know the people around her. So Hagar lived with the famous guy, Abraham. A few of us know Abraham? Yeah? Cool. So Abraham um, was 100 years old and his wife, Sarah, was 90 years old. And they were promised that they were going to have children, like loads of children, that many that it would create like a nation, like crazy. And I thought I was from a big family with like my mum and dad wanting six children, but Abraham was on a whole other level. Um, but first of all, like pause, he was 100 years old and his wife was 90 years old. And at that age, they believed they were going to have children. Like, I think that's mental. But anyway, um, they had a desire in their heart to have children, to just raise a family together. Um, and that was the thing that they wanted the most. But sadly, that just didn't happen for them. You know, they got to the ages that they were at now um, and they still hadn't seen that in their life. And that was really, really hard, especially for Sarah, because all she wanted was to have a baby. But God saw that. God saw that that was the desire of their heart and that he wanted to to do that for them he wanted to give them children so he promised that they would definitely have a child and when God promises it's not just like when we do like a pinky promise or whatever it definitely happens if God promises it's going to happen so they knew that this was going to happen so that was it they were like okay never mind that we're 90 and 100 we're going to have children and they got on with life but time had gone by and years had gone by and they still hadn't seen this promise come true so Sarah was in a situation now where she was like, I'm going to have to do something about this myself. I'm just going to have to see what I can do to somehow have a baby in our family. So she told her husband, Abraham, to go and have a baby with their servant, Hagar. Um, and I'm sure there was a bit of like, are you sure? Like, is that the right thing to do? But Abraham anyway went and did it. And um, Hagar became pregnant. And straight away, Sarah... I think she like realized that that still wasn't filling her desire to have a baby. Like, yeah, Hagar was having Abraham's baby now and they could raise that baby, but it still wasn't filling her desire. And she became quite jealous of the fact that Hagar could be pregnant and she couldn't. And we all know what um, us girls can be like sometimes. So like there was a bit of like argument going on in the house and Hagar was quite proud of the fact that she could. And it got to the point where Sarah was like, right, enough we're getting rid of this servant, like, we can't have a living here anymore. So they fired Hagar. I mean, imagine this, Hagar has lost not only her job, so the thing that gives her money, but she's lost her home, because part of her job was living in their house. And now she's pregnant, in the middle of nowhere, she wouldn't have a clue what to do, she wouldn't, um, she would be worried, she would be scared, she had no security, no protection, and she was on her own. And she felt like nobody saw the situation that she was in. And I think a lot of us can relate to this feeling sometimes where we can feel like nobody sees what, what we're going through. Nobody knows what's actually going on in our heart and the hurt that we might be feeling. 
and I know that I can relate to this feeling. When I was 17, um, I was in a place where I felt like I'd lost myself as a person. Like I'd grown up knowing my identity in God, knowing that um, I was loved and chosen. But it came to a point where it felt like all of that had come crashing down. And I was just in a place of feeling really lost and not having a clue what was going on. And this was the year when... Um, my family had been through like a really heartbreaking time. Um, in the summer, my mum was pregnant. And um, at about 20 weeks pregnant, she lost the baby. And that was really hard time for us as a family. Like we just didn't understand why this was happening. And I knew I trusted God, but I didn't understand why, why this had happened. And then three months later, um, I'd, after being in a really unhealthy relationship where the guy made me feel really not good enough and would put me down all the time, um, it ended in a really hurtful way, which now, looking back, I'm so glad that it did end. But at the time, it's almost like all of these feelings of being confused as to what was going on and hurt all came into a massive pile in my heart. And I would just felt hopeless. And I just felt like, Nobody actually has a clue what I'm going through right now. Nobody sees what's going on. Um, and in Hagar's mind, nobody knew how she was feeling. But someone saw her. In Genesis 16, 18, it says that Hagar gets a visit from an angel from God who comes to her and says that God sees what you're going through and you're going you're gonna to be okay. Like, go back to Sarah's home. Like, I'm going to sort this out. But the main thing was that she heard that someone had seen the situation that she was in. And it says that Hagar refers to God as Elroy, which sounds like a strange name to us, but that basically just means you are the God who sees me. She knew that God saw her in her situation, that God loved her, and that God was interested in her. And that changed Hagar's outcome. You are the God who sees me. I knew at that point in my life where I felt hopeless that God saw me. I knew that he'd seen every tear I'd ever cried and he every saw, ugh, tongue twister. He saw every hurt I'd ever had. And he saw the person that I would become, the healing that he would do in my life and the transformation that he would bring with his love. You are the God who sees me. Do you know him as the God who sees you? Do you know that he's the God who sees you? He's the God who sees you when you feel like you're not good enough. He's the God who sees you when you feel like you're all alone. He's the God who sees when you don't know how to trust. And he's the God who's seen every tear you've ever cried and every hurt that you've ever felt. He's the God who sees the person that you will become with the transformation that he wants to bring with his love. The God who sees him. Do you know him? You see, I believe that the beginning of seeing other people in the situations that they're in, like I said before, is knowing that God sees us first and knowing more of his character. And in Psalm 148, it says, The Lord is merciful and compassionate. He is slow to get angry and he is filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone and he shows compassion on all of his creation. And the God of all creation, who is unfailing love, sees you. Again, in Psalms, it says, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. How precious are God's thoughts about you? That many that you can't even count them. That's how much he thinks about you and how much he loves you. Do you know him as the God who sees you?
Okay, we can all breathe a bit now. Now we've got a bit intense. Um, and I'm going to ask for a volunteer to come up to the stage. So hands up if you want to be part of this. Um, let's go with George. Come on, George. Round of applause for George. Okay, George. You come to this youth group quite a lot, don't you? Yeah. Do you think you know what this room looks like and you could describe it to someone who maybe has never been before? Yeah. Yeah? Pretty confident in that? Yeah. Like, you know everything that's in the room? Probably. Have you noticed anything different in the room today? That telly. That telly. Yeah, the telly. Anything else apart from the Christmas tree? Anything? <laughs> no. 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 Okay, it doesn't see anything different. So, a few people are pointing over there. So, on the star, we have a crown. Can you see it now? Yeah. Yeah, that. On this light, you might not all be able to see it. We have a little teddy bear. Can you see it? Where? Like there, like on this pillar. Andy, come on, show us oh, yeah, the teddy bear. Yeah, yeah. There we go. At the jukebox, we have... Yeah, there's this, yeah, Sinead pointed out the sofa at the back, well, the chair. And at the jukebox, we have a pool queue. That's not usual here, is it? No. No. Thank you, George. Can we all give George a round of applause? <laughs> Thanks, George. So observant. <laughs> no, but that's exactly the point that I wanted to make. I think sometimes we can be like George in this room. Like, we can think that we know the situation. We could think that we know the people around us, that we... Um, could describe exactly what they're like and who they are, but how actually sometimes we don't pay attention close enough that we don't see deeper than surface level. And like I said before, that we don't actually see what's going on um, in their hearts. And when we look at the stories of when Jesus walked this earth, we see that he saw people like, and I know I don't mean just looking at them, but he actually saw who they were and he actually saw what they needed and what they needed to hear from him. You know, the people that everyone else ignored, Jesus taught to. The people that everyone else said were criminals, Jesus saw them as people that needed his love. And the prostitutes that everyone ignored and thought they were just like, well, prostitutes, um, he saw them as women that actually were just broken and just needed his love and needed his healing. And I, I think that's exactly what we should be like. It says in um, Ephesians 5.1, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are, you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. It says, imitate God, like copy what God did. So Jesus, we can copy what he did. He saw people. And as his loved children, we can show that love to other people as well. What if we were to actually do that, if we were to follow the example of Jesus and live a life filled of love for the people around us? And you might be sat there thinking, yeah, that's great. I'd love to do that, but I'm nothing special, Jess. Like, I'm just your average Joe, just going around my ordinary life. I, I can't do that. But I heard this quote by a guy called Carl Lentz who says, your season might be ordinary, but that doesn't mean your faith has to be ordinary. The part of life that you're in now might feel just 
boring and ordinary, but that doesn't mean that the faith that you have in your heart has to be ordinary. Jesus offers us a different life. He offers us a life of the extraordinary where we can be people that show love to other people, um, where we can give coffee to people who we look at and think, oh, maybe they need cheering up today. And I think that the beginning of doing that and how we actually do that is just simply asking God, just simply saying, God, I really want to be a person that shows your love to other people. I really want to be a person that sees things differently and not just go around my everyday life as normal. Um, And when I was thinking about this, I came up with three words, all begin with S, so we can all remember them. And that's stand, serve, shout. And I think these are three words that we can just think of like practically in everyday life that will help us think of ways of how we can show that love to other people. So stand, look for a way that you can stand out from the crowd. Um, Maybe there's always a person in your friendship group or in school that's always seems to be the end joke of like all the banter that goes on um and maybe usually you join in make a stand to be different and show that that person like that you actually care about them and that you want you're not going to join in and making them feel a bit rubbish about themselves because that actually has a big difference when you make a stand to maybe not do something that everyone else is doing and the second one is serve look for ways that you can serve people that you can do um little acts of kindness that would actually make a big difference and show them that they are noticed in their situation. So whether it's a coffee or whether it's a chocolate bar or maybe just helping someone carry the bags at school who looks like they're struggling, just look for a way that you can serve people. And the last one is shout. Um, I don't mean actually shout, but in the way that you talk, look for how you can show God's love through that. So whether... um, that's just saying to someone, I'm going to be praying for you if they're going through a difficult time. Or whether that's you sharing something that God's done in your life. Look for a way that you can share um, and shout about God's love in your own heart. So I've come to an end now. Um, and the question I want to leave us with is, what life are we going to choose? The ordinary or the extraordinary? I'm going to ask the band to come up now, please. And um, before we... I'm going to give two responses this morning. Um, And the first one's going to be just simply, maybe you need to know God's love again. Maybe, like Hagar says, you are the God who sees me. Maybe you need to know that for yourself this morning. You need to know that God sees you in the situation that you're in. And even um, if life's great at the moment, maybe you just need to know that God sees you and he loves you and he cares about you. So in this song, um, in a minute I'm going to pray, but I just, um, as this band is singing and sing over you, I just invite you to ask God for yourself, God, Show me that you love me. Show me that you care about me. Show me that you are the God who sees me. And just have some time talking to God um, and praying for yourself. And then the second response is going to be, do you want to be a person that shows God love to other people? And we're gonna, um, I'm going to invite you to stand if you want to do that, and we'll, we'll pray again for that. But first of all, um, let's just listen to this song and the words of this song. You might want to look at the screen. Um, and look at them for yourself, but just let God speak to you in this time. So I'm going to pray. Father God, I thank you that you are the God who sees, that you see every single person in this room, that you um, 
are interested in every single thought that they even have, God. And I pray that in this time that they would know that, that your um, Holy Spirit would just come and that you'd speak to people, God, and that you'd... Um, yeah, that you'd show them exactly what they need to see this morning to know that you love them. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. As we were um, listening to that song, I just felt like God was saying that um, there's someone in here where, who you really struggle with knowing that you are noticed that that's not just a general term for you, but you actually really struggle um, with feeling like you matter and you feel like if you weren't here anymore that it wouldn't, that no one would know and it wouldn't really matter. Um, sorry. If that's you and you need to know that you actually really matter in God's love for you, I just encourage you to come and find me or one of the leaders at the end. I'm not going to ask you to come up now because it's quite personal. But just come and find one of us because I really want you to be prayed with because I feel like God really wants to change that situation for you today. Okay, we're gonna um, we're gonna do the second response now. If you feel like you want to be one of those people who make a difference in your friend's life and make a difference in your school and even this generation, by showing God's love to them in your everyday life. Um, I'm just going to invite you to to stand now, and we're going to sing um, Spirit Lead Me Again from Oceans. And just as we sing that, and as you stand, just let that almost be like a declaration that I'm up for this, God, like I want to do this. And if you're the people sat around, I just encourage you to pray for the person stood up near you. Um, so I'm going to ask you to stand now. And I'm going to pray. Brill. Father God, I thank you that, um, first of all, for the love that you have for each and every person um, here this morning. And God, I thank you that you want us to show that love, that you say that... Um, no matter how um, ordinary that we feel, that you want to use us and that you will use us. And all we have to do is be open. So, Father God, I pray for each and every person that stood up in this room, that is stood here saying that they are open for you to use them, for you to use them to show your love to the people around them. God, I pray that you would fill them with the spirit of your boldness, that they would um, go out of this place knowing that you are with them every single step of the way and that you would almost change the way that they see things and change the way that they see people, that they'll realize that they begin to notice things that they've never noticed before. God, I pray that you would just really um, fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit as they leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen.